0: chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views, and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis, with your host, Dave Inman.
1: Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Jaina Weltson with the Rose Law Group. Rose Law currently handles hundreds of cannabis businesses nationwide. And Jaina is also an expert in uh, the current state of cannabis in Alaska. Jaina, welcome.
2: Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. You came highly recommended, just so you know. (laughs) <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> so tell us, uh, you're a an attorney that actually started out in family practice, is that correct?
2: That's right, Dave. I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska and went to law school here in Arizona and practiced family law for a very brief time before I transitioned to working with Rose Law Group and doing medical marijuana, marijuana law and now venturing into recreational law.
1: And what would you say is more fun?
2: Um, I think, yeah, I think the answer is pretty obvious there, but cannabis, uh, and the cannabis community is by far more fun than people going through divorces.
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt. And we thank you for making the transition. We, we definitely need astute professionals in, in this field, uh, fighting for this cause. So tell me, uh, what is the current state of cannabis in Alaska as you see it?
2: Sure, sure. So we passed the initiative in November, and now what's been happening is the Marijuana Control Board has finally been seated. uh, July 2nd, it was seated, and we're going through the regulation drafting. So the regs are coming out in three different drafts. I'm sorry, three different packets of drafts, and they come to the Marijuana Control Board in a public setting, and then the public has 30 days to comment on them before the Marijuana Control Board votes to either accept them edit them, and bring them back out for public comment, or discard them completely and start over, which won't happen because we have a deadline per the initiative.
1: And this is essentially the the rules package that's going to come out, this new law that's been adopted, correct?
2: Correct. So when people say it's legal in Alaska recreationally, you know, you get a lot of people saying, where can I buy some pot? Well, it's legal in the terms of you're not going to go to jail for it, but the initiative does say to regulate it and tax it. And that's when the licensing process comes in. And that's when what makes a business an actual legal marijuana business, as opposed to a black market business.
1: Now, you wrote a, a, a wonderful little article in uh, the Marijuana Venture publication uh, back on June 7th, and it uh, prefaces the, uh, the Cole Memo. And it kind of outlines essentially what the federal government would anticipate for each state to stay within, correct?
2: Correct. So there's priorities that the federal government has set out that are essentially a guideline because the federal government hasn't authorized any binding law for any state or state business-sanctioned entity to follow, but the priorities that we should avoid to not encourage federal prosecution of our state-sanctioned businesses, correct? Correct.
1: And so, essentially, with the uh, the coal memo, it uh, as as we were mentioning, it, it outlines essentially what uh, the federal government is going to in- anticipate having a state stay within. Now, when we have so many of these these essentially opposing initiatives in so many states happening right now, when the initiatives are generally drafted, how often do you think the uh, authors are actually paying attention to this coal memo?
2: Well, you would hope that any initiative sponsor would carefully review the coal memorandum priorities because we don't want to have a state-sanctioned market where people like us, tax-paying and invest a lot of money and time into these businesses just to have them shut down because somebody was sloppy with the drafting of of the initiatives. So you would hope every single time one would do that would review those priorities, but that doesn't happen always obviously.
1: So how, how rocky was the, uh, the initiative for, for Alaska in, in your, uh, in your estimation?
2: Well, you know, I think that Alaska, the initiative was drafted in a, in, in a pretty good way. I think that it avoids all, if not the majority of the coal memorandum priorities. I think the implementation of it is the important part and getting the regs and the rules correct to avoid those pro- if violating those priorities, but still allow for a flourishing cannabis market is the real balancing act. And I think that's the balancing act that's going to be happening across the nation. And I think that people underestimate how difficult of a task that is and how united we need to become as a, as a cannabis movement to really achieve that, that balance.
1: And it really has been a movement. You, we see, uh, really, since nineteen ninety six, just a flourishing of of new thoughts and ideals coming from state to state to state. And you know, by twenty sixteen, we should far and, and away be above any any uh, majority uh, of states that that currently have. Uh, you know, whether it's it's medical, whether it's recreational, uh, whether it's decrim. You know, the uh, the. The stones are falling, basically. What would you say, uh, if you were to make a guess, how long would, would it be before we saw federal regulation?
2: I think 2020. I think 2020 is the year for the, the federals to come all the way around and, and kind of tip their hats to the movement and say, yeah, you know what, you're right. This kind of is like alcohol industry. It's, it's very similar to the prohibition movement. You know, I've got so many clients that are trying to secure you know, warehouses for their grow operations and they're discriminated against and they get very, very discouraged. And I say, don't worry. One day we're going to look back at this and we're going to say, you know, remember when we couldn't get a lease on that because of what we were doing? Remember when we got kicked out of that space because of what we were doing? And we're going (laughs) to laugh about it. Um, Probably, probably bitter laugh, but at some point we're going to get to that, that movement. And it's funny how money, makes prohibitionists all of a sudden very cannabis friendly. So the more states that legalize it and create a flourishing market via those regulations, those are super important, the more the feds are going to see the positive impact that the cannabis society is having on our communities.
1: One well, with as much uh, taxation that we have going to to schools, with it just in the the Arizona legislation, should we get it to pass, mind you? How was the uh, the initiative? Did you take any part in, in drafting the initiative in in Alaska?
2: No, I did not take any part in drafting the initiative. I was really active with the Coalition for Responsible Cannabis Legislation this session, working with lawmakers, you know, helping the coalition. Meet with the right lawmakers, getting the right statues and languages crafted. But the the tax was contained in the initiative, and it's fifty dollars per an ounce of cannabis, which leads you to question: How are we going to tax things like brownies, you know, <laughs> edible? How are we going to do that? And so we really have to, again, find a find a balance of how to fairly tax that without overly bar- burdening the system, so that. We're not faced with the incentive to circumvent the rules. You know, rules are easy to follow if they're easy to follow. But if they're difficult to follow and make a business not profitable, then you're going to find ways around it, guaranteed.
1: And then there's no more business to be had at all. we got to take a quick break, folks. When we get back, Jana Weltson. We'll be right back with you, folks.
0: Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com when we return.
3: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com. Doc Robb, the concierge for better living.
1: Cannabis is just one of
3: the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently
0: Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman.
1: Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Jaina Welton with the Rose Law Group. Jaina, welcome back. Thanks, Dave. So we we were discussing Alaska. And, you know, Alaska has a special place in my heart. Uh, you know, back in, in 2010, I, uh, I spoke at the University of Alaska uh, regarding sustainability, uh, zero, net zero uh, building practices, things like that. And um, I have to ask you this. Why would you move from there to here?
2: <laughs> well, I've, asked, I've been asked that question a lot. And the reason why I picked Arizona was actually because I specialize in federal Indian law working with tribes. So this was a good ASU, Day O'Connor has one of the best federal Indian law programs in the nation. Plus Arizona is really extreme. And I came from Fairbanks, Alaska that has the most extreme climate changes, you know, in the world. And I was like, well, one extreme to another, gotta, gotta test my limits. Yeah.
1: yeah. From what I hear, you can get into the hundreds in, in Fairbanks and then get down what, 60, 70 below.
2: Yeah. I mean, the cold I remember as a kid growing up, uh, was negative 70 and that was on top of Esther dome, which is, you know, elevation heat rises. So it it gets pretty cold and then it gets pretty hot. That's why we got a lot of wildfires going on right now.
1: Oh man. Oh man. Well, you know, we're glad that you came down obviously to, uh, to help us folks here in Arizona and, and nationally Rose law does uh, a lot of national, uh, works, uh, Tell me some more about what Rose Law does.
2: Well, Rose Law Group is a full-service firm. We do everything from litigation to land use. That's why it is such a good fit for cannabis companies because we have our business litigation department, we have our business transaction department, we have our real estate transaction department, and then we have our land use. And land use is really key for cannabis companies because that's where you get into a lot of problems because there's a lot more personalities you have to deal with when you're a cannabis company going in to get a land use permit you know, to allow for the cannabis establishment to operate. So you really got to make friends with your neighbors, you really got to, you know, be good with the community, know the council persons as well as you ethically can and have those contacts to make the process as smooth as possible. And that's that's the key right there. Anybody can put good stuff on paper and make your application look great, but it really comes down to are you likable? Does the community want you there? And there's a good way to package that. And Rose Law Group it has a phenomenal reputation for for making the impossible possible.
1: You know, I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, they, they have just a stellar reputation and quickly becoming just the the gold standard, in my opinion, of, of legal representation for the cannabis industry. So as far as the, the tribal uh, law that, that you uh, – Get involved in. Uh, obviously, Alaska has a, a very large tribal populace there. Uh, what are the plans for the uh, the tribes?
2: You know, there's been a lot of interest from tribes and a lot of interest from tribal corporations. So, Alaska's set up a bit differently than the Lower 48. In the lower 48, we have reservations. Tribes are considered nations. We have Indian land in Alaska because of the Alaska Native Settlement Claims Act. Essentially, all the land that would have been held in trust by the federal government, which is how reservations are held. That's why they're not subject to certain state laws, right? So in Alaska, you don't have that. What happened was the Alaska Native Settlement Claims Act took away that title, took it out of trust from the federal government, and titled it in fee simple, and assigned it to different Native corporations. And the Native corporations, they're they're spread out among, along the state in geographical locations. And they're supposed to be a movement, an economic development movement for the tribal members. So the balance comes between connecting the corporation with the actual tribes, because you've got Fortune 500 tribal corporations, and you got their people living in third world country country conditions. That's that's how real this is out there. And as a kid, I used to go to the, we call it the bush, and their are little villages in the middle of nowhere. You, you get there via Plane, small plane, or a snow machine. And I would go there with my dad because he's a tribal economic development specialist. And you'd see these small communities, I mean, outhouses, barely any heat, people sleeping on floors. I mean, it's third world conditions and they need economic development. They need another outlet other than alcohol to participate in. So the cannabis market it could be an incredible boost for them for those tribes and those tribal corporations that want to take, take the chance on it. So I've, I've had some contact. I can't, I can't give you any details on the entities or, or the individuals who are, who are having these thoughts, but there is definitely tribal interest and they will be strong competitors.
1: As they should be.
2: Correct. Uh,
1: you know, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, within, Within just a scant amount of time, I mean, really, just a little over twenty years, what we've uh, what we've seen accomplished with just this this miracle plant that we have, you know. Of course, I want to thank you for for putting in and and honestly, you know, a question that that I like to ask. My guests is is you know when you made the transition from uh, from your previous life to your cannabis life, did you did you take on any new stigmas?
2: Oh sure, I mean. You're always going to have to fight a battle, right, when you're doing something that's outside the norm. And one of the battles that I saw in Juneau uh, for the session when I was there was we have activists come in, and they come in in two forms. They come in either in a suit and tie, trying to look the part, play the part of a, of a real lobbyist, even though they're a grassroots movement and they're they're throwing all their passions in and they're just trying to make this work. And then you have the ones that come in – Tie-dye, hippie, smelling like pot. And you get two reactions, right? You get the reactions from when the well-dressed person comes in and and states his arguments with conviction and passion. And then, you know... The hippie kind of looking person comes in and they state their arguments, but they're not taken seriously. And I think what people need to understand is, yes, we have our individual individuality and, yes, we want to express our own style. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to changing laws and getting the bullshit done with and getting discrimination over with when it comes to the cannabis market, we've got to look up, show up the part. That's what we have to do. We can't keep throwing pebbles from the outside, you know, wearing headbands. we got to be a boulder from within wearing suits and ties and acting the part and getting in there and showing these people that we're serious and we're not going away. And that was one of the most inspiring things about the session is how many people spoke up. It was amazing. Any other issue, you, you got schools that were getting their funding cut. You know, you got universities that were getting their funding cut. You, got, you had senior services that were getting cut. And they maybe had two or three public comments on it. You mess with our cannabis, and we show up in numbers of a hundred. I mean, it 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 gives me goosebumps right now. I have goosebumps just remembering. Somebody should have documented that whole process. It was amazing.
1: You know, not since the fall of Mubarak, honestly, has there been uh, the the same kind of social movement uh, that cannabis is, and it's it's really amazing to to behold that we are are we're in the end game right now. And and that's really what I feel deep down in my heart is that we are, we're at the the finish line and we just got to keep running and we've got to, we got to make this win resounding. And it's so easy right. to do so, you know, we, we can't lose sight of, of, you know, when we take wins, if they're not the same win that you thought you should have, uh, when we get any kind of movement in the cannabis uh, legal system. Any time that we we gain a new freedom, we shouldn't scoff at a freedom. And say, oh, well, I wanted more freedom than that. It just doesn't work that way. We show the people that are afraid of cannabis that there's nothing to be afraid of, and then everything starts to change. When there's there's no more stigma, you know, removing the stigma, removing the fear, uh, removing any kind of religious barriers that it has. Once those things are in place, everything changes. we got to take a quick uh, break. When we get back, we have Jana Welton with us. We'll be right back with you folks. Stay
0: tuned for more State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com when we return.
3: Gondrepreneur.com,
2: your guide to the cannabis business world.
0: Candid.
1: I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case.
3: <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com,
0: chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman.
1: Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Jaina Weltson with the Rose Law Group. Jana, welcome. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you uh, another question. So, obviously, after the, uh, the Alaska Initiative passed, this rules package, this rules package had to be crafted. So what kind of uh, of inputs are you seeing and what kind of challenges are you seeing right now with the development of this this rules package?
2: So right now I, I see a lot of conflicting opinions, right? So we we have two two groups in Alaska and I'll just generalize it that way even though, you know, there's probably some more nuances that that we could get into, but just just for sake of argument, we have the group that thinks we should all be able to grow in our house and sell out of our house and and just do things on a on a farmers market kind of basis and that we don't need any rules we don't need any regulations it's all right and gosh darn it we're going to take it and we're going to take it all the way and then we have the other group the other side of the coin that says hey hey guess what reality is We voted this in, right, but the legislature in two years, actually one year now, can actually repeal all of our efforts if we can't show them that this market is safe, productive, and it's making the state money. That's the three things. That's what you need to show. And we can't show that with an unregulated anything-goes-wild-west attitude. So you have people right now that are starting businesses, that are starting delivery services, that are starting, you know, to a lesser dis- lesser extent, clubs that are starting online marijuana sales. And unfortunately, there's a huge divide. There's a huge divide. And that's what the prohibitionists count on. They count on us fighting. They count on us stamping each other's out, putting crap up about each other's leaders on the internet so that they can pull it and they can use it on, when it comes to the floor session, when it comes to the vote, you'll see crap that somebody else in the industry posted about another leader. And that's what's used against us. And it's not used against just that leader. It's used against the industry.
1: So essentially if if Alaska can't can't decide on on a, on a efficacious path, all bets are off and and prohibition can win is is basically what you're saying.
2: Exactly. We need to show. We need to have numbers. We need to have positive statistics and positive outcomes and businesses run in a legitimate ma- ma- manner to the legislature. We need to be able to show that in 2016 when the session comes. That's what we need to be able to show, and we can't show that if we don't have reasonable rules and regulations. Hey, the, the mantra was regulate it like alcohol. Well, unless the laws change changed in the last, what, 38 minutes, <laughs> – I can't open a bar, just from my house. I can't start producing vodka and selling it to Walmart without a license, without paying Absolutely. taxes. Absolutely.
1: And if now, you uh, happen to to brew uh, beer or wine, you're limited to how much you're able to brew per year per household. Exactly. You know, it, yes. for me, there doesn't seem to be that much of a a, a disparity between regulating cannabis like alcohol and And having a a balanced market, I I understand. You know, I mean, most of most of us come from uh, a society where cannabis was purely demonized, and we didn't know where where else to 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 get it other than you know generally the the criminals or or simply just friends that knew other people. And the fact is, is that a lot of these people they just don't uh, they don't know a different life, and maybe they're just trying to to understand how to dance nowadays. Unfortunately, I want to keep dancing, you know, and that's the thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the I think that's the main takeaway is you got to learn how to dance a dance that's never been danced before. So that's where we're at. We're, we're 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 tangling with a unknown entity and we the state doesn't know how to handle it, so it's reacting constantly reacting, right? The public doesn't know how to handle it. So it's reacting and we're not being very forgiven of forgiving of each other's reactions when the reality is neither party knows what the right answer is yet.
1: We just are all really passionate about the the product. And one day, one day it's going to all be behind us and we're just going to have it. And we got to make sure that we're not scaring people down the road and making it any longer than it needs to be. You know, I, I firmly, like I said, I believe we're in the end game. You know, I, I actually I'd like to say maybe 2012, 2020 might be uh, too far out. It, it could happen in 2017, 2018. You know, if we if we can all stay the course and if we can all remove the barriers and the stigmas and do our best to engage in, in meaningful conversation about cannabis and not in all in, in, purely a party type of way i mean we need to to accentuate the the medicinal benefits and also just simply the recreational benefits that you know you're not going to die from it for one and chances are you're not gonna you know decide to get behind the wheel of a car uh, on you know a 12 pack of beer on it obviously so you know there's so many wonderful benefits to it and yet it's still in the in the state that it is and it's wonderful actually being on the the tail end of this whole thing and you know people like you you're doing your part to to help usher forth this this movement this this great social movement and these uh these little uh states that are deciding to go out like alaska and colorado and washington and washington dc oregon that are trying these social experiments and uh doing so for us and so, Jana, anything you'd like to say uh, before we, we wrap it up? Uh, any 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 news on the horizon? Anything that is really needs to be said that uh, we didn't get to address yet?
2: Well, I think the the one thing that we haven't talked about, and I'll make it make it short, but is if the prohibitionists are so concerned about the black market. Here's one example you can take away from Alaska: is that black market actors are trying to become white well in the commercial market act- actors right so mm-hmm. they've got an income stream from their black market activities so they're trying to limit that some cases stop it some cases not but the longer we push out actually allowing these people to participate in the market and the more barriers we put the more incentive there is to remain the black market and that can be applied to, across the whole the United States. So the longer the rest of the States don't legalize it recreationally and create all these barriers and all these tax disincentives to be involved in, in, in a legitimate marijuana enterprise, the more black market actors we have, the more expansion of black, the black market and the, and the more tax revenues we we miss out on.
1: And then just slow the whole process in, in, in the interim, you know, it, Exactly. You know, we, we there's no way we can have a regulated market without having a regulated society that adopts it, and uh, I think we're we're really close to that. Uh, you know, we're we're just about out of time. Jana, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you know, thank all of the the folks over at Rose Law Group for what you guys do for us on a day in day out basis. Thank you Jana. I'd like to thank you all of course for joining us on this a- edition of the State of Cannabis. You can download past episodes of our program by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and very very soon on iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow us, the show on Facebook and Google I'm your host Dave Inman and we'll talk with you next time.